Intentional walk for Schwarber. They get to Davis. And with a pitcher spot now on deck, Alan Webster is up in the bullpen. Remember, the bullpen wasn't used on Friday, and Cubs were off on Thursday. Davis in the air, deep left. It is gone. That's a grand slam. The time. Hello, and welcome to Framing the Conversation, a baseball podcast. I'm Fangraphs writer Devin Fink, joined by Taylor Davis and Jeremy Frank. Hey, guys, I'm, I'm Taylor Davis here. Uh, super utility, uh, current free agent uh, for former MLB player looking for a job currently. And I'm Jeremy Frank, also known as MLB Random Stats on Twitter, who also wrote a book called Hitting Ball Trick about some baseball stats and the history of the game. So guys, this is our first episode. Um, it's the three of us. We kind of, I, I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit about how like this kind of came to be maybe for, for the first yeah. couple of minutes. I mean, this is like, this, this is like uh, you know, normally people would say this is like a pilot, but this is spring training. You know, this is like, this is, know, yeah. show up, you know, like this is, and, and you know, and I'm going to start rambling at this point already, but you know, what's <laughs> the point, right? Spring training is, Spring training used to be like dudes would show up having not done a single thing for six months and they would show up to get ready for the season. And this and like and now if you haven't done like worked your tail off the entire six months you weren't playing, you're so behind the eight ball. And I feel like it's funny that like I I didn't even think about it. I just came up with a spring training thought, but like. This is spring training in this episode. Like you two have been working your whole lives to talk <laughs> about baseball, and but this is spring training. Like this is our first episode. Like this is us no. starting it off. You know, but uh, never thought, never thought I could make a pitchers and catchers analogy in December. But to all you out there, this is our pitchers and catchers. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, everybody's ready and, for pitchers and catchers. And, and we got we got a catcher on the podcast. So Taylor, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit further on the, on this first episode? Yeah, man. Uh, so I, uh, Taylor Davis, I've, I've had a heck of a, a ride and, and maybe one, one of these days we'll go into that further, but, uh, I've, I've, I came up with the Cubs. Uh, I got, I signed as a non-drafted free agent in 2011, um, made it to the big leagues in 2017. I was in the big leagues for parts of 17, 18 and 19. Um, you know, I've always prided myself on, uh, Having having somewhat of a baseball IQ, I, dude. I've always like I've always been a rat, like a baseball rat, man. Like I'm the dude in the clubhouse that like guys are coming up to. Hey, man, like what's the deadline looking like? Who who, who we going? Like the, my first few years, like I was the guy telling everybody who we were drafting and why we were drafting. I was the kid in high school, like I could have listed the top 100 of our of my high school draft class. So I've always prided myself. So this is like really fun for me, like. I don't know if how, how like you guys, but like, dude, this is this is like awesome. I am so excited to do this um, because I love talking baseball. That's, I think that's that's about it. All right, uh, Jeremy, you want to introduce yourself a little bit further? Yeah, I'd love to add on. I don't know if I can match uh, Taylor's enthusiasm, but I am just <laughs> as excited as him to. Uh, to be doing this podcast. Um, I was born in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. 
Uh, grew up a big Cubs fan, still am a big Cubs fan. Not going to hide my bias. I'll actually uh, bring it out to the forefront. Oh, ouch. Ouch. But, <laughs> but I, I'm, I currently am a student at Purdue. I'm studying data science, hoping to work in baseball in the future. I don't think I'll make it as a player. I think after uh, like eighth grade, my, my big league hopes kind of – I kind of realized I wasn't going to make it, but hoping <laughs> to get in some other fashion. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I can go farther into. I'm from South Florida originally, but I actually I lived in Chicago for a little bit. Um, I've bounced around. I've never had a true. Uh, I guess I've never really had like a true fanship of a team. Like I've never. I, and re- really, like, there's two teams in any sport that I like, and the first one you're gonna know that I'm not a front runner because I'm a Bengals fan, and Oof. for me to say that Oof. publicly, big win know, today though, right? Big win. Uh, you know, though, no, it's not. Like, it's not a big win. Now, at this point, lose. Tank. I don't <laughs> care. In Ohio State football. My dad went to Ohio State, so I'm an Ohio State football um, fan. Uh, did uh, you watch the Purdue-Ohio State game last year? <laughs> yeah, David Sorry, Bluff. I, I have to bring it up. I, every time I meet someone that's an Ohio State fan. Purdue is on yeah, a one-day yeah. winning streak against Ohio State, by the way, for those of you yeah, who don't you, know. Did you watch the Purdue game last week? Uh, yes, Yesterday? I did, sadly. <laughs> hey, it was pretty good. All right, anyway, sorry. That's enough. Enough college football. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just round it out a little bit. Um, I'm Devin Fink uh, from Northern Virginia. Was originally born in San Francisco. Um, so my allegiances lie with the 49ers in, as far as football goes. I'm not going to say who I, uh, who I root for um, in baseball. I don't really uh, like showing my bias there and because uh, I don't have any. I'm unbiased. Uh, right. Right will it come out? Like, will we be able to sense it? No. I already know who it is. Let's see if Taylor can figure I, it out. I, I don't think so. Um, I think, right. I think Taylor, most, gets, uh, Taylor gets one guess at the end of each episode, and once he gets oh, it right, then Devin okay. has to reveal I, it. I, no, I mean, <laughs> once we get to episode 30, it'll be, it'll be revealed. <laughs> we can't let that happen. I'm actually a Potomac Nationals fan, and they moved oh. to Fredericksburg. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, so I've, I've been writing about baseball. Uh, this was my seventh season writing about it. I started in 2012. Um, and then I've been writing at Fangraphs since I got the job in March. Um, again, like Jeremy, I realized my, my ability to play in the major leagues um, probably was never going to actually happen. So I decided to write more about baseball. I can get into more about like how I decided to start this, like, when I was like 11, I don't even know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like writing about baseball. I like analyzing baseball, um, all those Sabre stats um, I'm a big fan of. And so, yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good baseball-focused introduction about me. Okay, cool. nice. Taylor, so if you if you were not a major league baseball player or a minor league baseball player or just a professional baseball player in general, what would you be doing right now? Uh, you know, like I, so I have a, a decent passion for business as well. I, my, my, uh, degrees in business management. Um, I grew up wanting to be a lawyer. I, I don't know why. Um, I grew up wanting to be a lawyer. I actually grew up wanting to go to Stanford. Same thing. I have no idea why I have no allegiance <laughs> there. Um, I just, I think like, I, so I graduated high school in 2008 and I'm aging myself compared to you two, but I, <laughs> I, uh, it's the 2019 graduates, proud 2019 graduates, 2019 high school graduates. Right. I celebrated my 10 year high school reunion before you graduated high school. So, um, 
I, I shoot, I had a baby by the time you guys graduated high school. No, almost no. <laughs> just, just before you started college, I had a baby. There um, you go. <laughs> but uh, uh, okay, I lost my train of thought already. Could could you or, see yourself as like an agent after uh, your, your playing days now, are over? Now, yeah, now I think I could. But uh, yeah, I don't know why I wanted to be a lawyer. My mom and dad were both in sales my whole life, so I was like business I love. Um, but yeah, I think um now. Uh, well, front office is where is is what I want to do next. I want to go in the front office. Um, cool. I would love cool. to be a part of putting together a team. That's kind of I would love to be part of, of team management, and and I think that, um, but you know, and I I've said that my whole career. I've said that I want to when I'm done playing, when I take the uniform off, I want to put a polo on with a, with a <laughs> you know with a team on it. Um, but I. The longer I'll tell you this, the longer I play, the harder I think it'll be to come off the field. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Know, you know, the longer I play, the more I go, man. Like I would love to stay on the field, be a bullpen coach, be a bench coach, bench coach, be a manager, right. um, something like that. But you know, like honestly, it's gonna be whatever, whatever opportunity comes first. So I'm just kind of riding this out, man. This is a dream, and I'm just kind of letting it come at me. So Taylor, I have, I actually have a question for you on the same on the same topic. We're gonna we're gonna come out firing because we're very okay. curious. Um, what do you think about those those front office roles that we've seen that kind of serve um, to bridge the gap between the front office and and the team? Like like the Sam Fold, I think he had this very unique yes. role yes. where he kind yes. of helped bring the analytics down to the players. And and you call yourself a baseball guru. You follow both of us on Twitter. I'd imagine you like or at least are interested in the saber metrics is that something you could oh, see yourself wanting to do yeah absolutely so one thing that i've and i've i've, I've begun but one thing um uh, you know the initial role that i think i would fit um that i would like to start at would be that role i actually before that role was created about i don't know four or five years ago i said what i was wanting to do was be the guy that could go be the in-between between the players and the, the numbers guys. Because right. I think I understand enough of the numbers. I don't, you know, look, I don't claim to understand them all by any means, but I think I understand enough of it to say, uh, look, here, here's how these numbers can help you as a player. And I right. think, you know, and, and I think that to me, that is the biggest downside of all the, the numbers personally is that, they're all thrown at you, right? Most of them, and, and there's and there's new there's a new stat every day. Very that, yeah. few of them, very few of them are relayed to the player with how to shape your training or what to do, right? Like you know, we it's just now within the past couple of years, like launch angle and exit below has has really been explained to players, like hey, here's why it matters, right? And and I think that's an important thing for players to understand. I think that um, a big thing for a player to understand is when you're looking at the numbers, because they can be terrifying, is um, like, which of these numbers even matter to me? Because you start getting into these, like, if, if all the numbers, which, by the way, I, one of you two tweeted about freaking Weighted O Bacon, and that was unbelievable. I, that's my favorite set of all time. Oh man, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to talk about that. Uh, I got uh, quite a bit of heat from. I, I don't even. I don't people. even know what this. I don't even know what the stat really is, but just the fact that it has bacon in it, I'm in. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, but I've no, got, but 
but like you know and and uh so i think there's interesting things like you know to the average player if i would tell the average player hey your your uh batting average on balls in play is really high the average player would look at me and he would be excited about that he would have right. no clue what yeah, that means you're totally right right no i yeah a lot of you, you lot know of what i mean and so too. they're like wow like yeah and like so wow I, like I, fernando I, tatis is like He's a right. 350 bad Look at how high his Babbitt was. <laughs> right, right. And, and exactly. So it's, I, it's the opposite almost. Like, obviously, you can have what, a good Babbitt and be good, but it's not what it means. It is 100%. Right. Well, for the average player, it's 100% the opposite. Now, for Mike Trout, it is not the opposite. If You know, whatever. But for the average, you know, the average guy, the zero to two war guy, it does, it is the exact opposite. And and it's, it's good for me um, as a catcher and as a guy that can work – I really pride myself with like working with pitchers and using I've honestly used Babbitt more with pitchers than I have when I've when I talk to guys than I do with hitters because a guy's had three or four rough outings. Um, I'll, I'll use an example. I'm not going to use his name, but there was a guy in Iowa this year uh, who started the year and I'm talking about and I've never been a believer in, in bad luck, like as far as like. You know, you go out, you're going to have a game of bad luck if you're a pitcher. But, like, dude, this guy had, like, six starts where, like, I'm talking about everything was falling. And now, given everybody knows the PCL climate with the balls this year, but it yeah. didn't matter. Like, it, it this this guy, I had very rarely uh, seen luck like that. And so, sure enough, I sent a message to somebody in the front office and said, hey, uh, can you get me his, his Babbitt? And they did. And dude, it was like, I, I'm, I, I might even have it on here, but it was like over 400 for like a month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, so what I was able to do is go to the kid and say, Hey bro, you know how we've been saying this and how I've been saying you're really unlucky. He go, yeah. And I go, well, look at this. Your, your batting average on balls in play is over 400. And he, he's like, dang, you know, and he got mad and I'm like, no, no, no. Like that's the exact opposite. Like, What's right. that? What that's doing is it's proving you're having bad luck. You keep doing right. exactly what you're doing. Sure yep. enough, he does, and he had a successful year in the big leagues this year. So, right, um, that's kind of my take on the Saber stuff. And to, to go off yeah. of that, I think that a lot of obviously baseball fans know that um, in the last few years, strikeouts have been at like a record pace, and I think that's part of the reason because pitchers have the ability to. Um, to get guys to strike out, and that minimizes the luck factor in the game. If you can get fewer balls in play, it doesn't matter how unlucky you are on those balls in play. Because if you're striking out nine to twelve guys a start, the bad luck is gonna, the the good or bad luck you're gonna get out of your starts is gonna come, it's gonna minimize. Right, you get start getting the more true outcomes. Guys right, hitting the exactly. ball over fence is not luck. And right. same thing with with striking guys out. Now I do think that um, we are seeing right now. I think we're in the midst of the like. We're in a parabola, right? Like it started, um, you know, go back to the late '90s with with Tony Gwynn hitting 380 every freaking year, you know. And yeah, and and, and now you peaked at Barry Bonds, who I do, I, I believe, and we can go into this, but I believe Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter ever lived. Um, and you peaked with that, and since then you've kind of been on this, uh. I want homers. I don't care about average. And I think you're getting ready to see that, that go back the other way, just because teams are starting to understand, look, yeah, home runs are great, but 
a two-run home run is way more valuable than a solo home run. So we still got to get got to get guys on base, and I think I think you're going to see that really come back into play. And you're starting to already. I mean, you're starting to see like these young players, especially um, in the draft. You're starting to see less like big boppers, and you're starting to see more gamers, more right. more guys that are showing they can really play the game in in college and. Um, because the game is going back to that. And... Well, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I think, like, you know, the the day of the the, the slugger. I mean, like the the Ryan Howard middle of the order type slugger the being the guy that hit the guy that hits the forty home runs. I think I think you're right to a degree. Like these guys are more gamers. Like if you look at the guys that hit forty home runs this year, I mean, granted, everyone hit forty home runs this year, but right, these are right, guys right. that are all around great hitters for the most part. Um, right. I mean, I would, I would put Pete Alonzo more in the older style slugger and there's value for in sure. that, but, for but sure. Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, Alex Bregman, Nolan Arenado, those four guys are all around guys. And, you know, Jeremy and I, we, we don't really cite average all that much, but there is a, there is a point where these guys are just such great all around hitters. They can still hit right around 300, have OBPs over 400, and slugs, you know, closer to 600. I mean, Trout's line, he, he only hit 291 because maybe some of the poor BAPIP luck this year was, you know, 298 <laughs> only, as opposed to Trout. Like, only hit you know. 291. <laughs> but he had a 438 on base and a 645 slug, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, I think that it doesn't really matter which way you're getting on base as long as you have that that high OBP number. A lot of guys are like like the Adam Dunn. They got on base by walking, but it's not a bad thing to get on base via single rather than via walk. I think a lot of people think that like, oh, Sayer metrics are like, oh, like only like walk, strike out a home run. But like singles are just as great as long as you can keep up the pace with the walks. And, and the problem that I always have though when it comes down to a discussion like this is that, Taylor, maybe maybe I'm wrong because, you know, you've, you've been in, in the clubhouse and you've been around the game a little bit, but I think walks are more sustainable long-term than singles because of things like that hit luck, right? Because like a single, to, you know, a ground ball to shortstop, you know, depending where it's hit, my, that might be a play that's made by 20 or 30 shortstops. But on one any one day, you might be playing against a shortstop who's in that 10 group and it goes through for a hit. But that's not so, something that's going to be a hit most of the time, whereas the so, walk is always going to be a walk. Right. Well, it's like it's like saying, OK, is Carlos Correa playing shortstop or is Francisco Lindor playing shortstop? Um, and now I, I agree with you, but I don't I don't agree with your statement. I see what you're saying. I don't. I, I believe that walks are much more difficult to sustain, and let me tell you why. Two reasons. One, unless you're Joey Votto, guys understand that you're trying to walk. And the reason that Joey Votto could do it for so long was because they knew that if they threw it in the zone, it was going to be a double. It wasn't right. going to be a slapped single. So, so you'll take the walk. walk. Exactly. Right. Um. And I, so I, for one, I think that's why walks are not sustainable. I don't think that, and, and you know, I've actually had hitting coaches talk about, you know, when I, when I got into pro ball, so 2011, let's see, 2013 or 14, um, you know, how many pitches you were seeing was such a big deal, right? Like that was, you know, five years ago, you know, if you were seeing four pitches in that bat, you needed to see another pitch in that bat, whatever it may be. Right. And, and I had a hitting coach or hitting coordinator come up to me and say, Hey, somewhat to an extent sure but that really just tells me two things one they're either missing their pitch 
that they're they're either missing their pitch and they're fouling a bunch of pitches off, or two, they're not swinging the best pitch available. So I think that pitch that that stat can be really misconstrued, um, like seeing pitches. But right. the re the other reason that I think that the walks are not sustainable is that pitchers are no longer willing to walk you. The stuff is just too good now, and they are much more willing. I mean, you saw it in the in the World Series. You, they're much more willing to throw the ball down the middle at ninety eight. And so I right. think that walks in general are, are going to go away. So, no, I believe that the ability to hit is going to come back and it's going to come back big. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think that's that's an interesting perspective. I, I would still counter with um, the fact that, you know, to your point, like the, the most feared hitters are still going to be those that walk because you can you got to nibble. Right. Because no, at some point, at some point, like you'd you know, in certain situations, you'd rather have these guys walk than Homer off of you. And that's why Trout will always be among the league leaders and walks. Yes. Um, but, but I guess my question is, as you say, you know, we'll just have, you know, take the stuff, throw it down the middle. Do you think any of the reason why we've seen the league wide walk rate trend, maybe Jeremy, you want to chime in on this too, is because they throw so hard. It's like, also harder to control like it's easier said than done throwing a pitch down the middle because trust me when i was in little league that was my goal just throw it down the middle <laughs> you, you can't do that you just can't do that and i know these guys are big leaguers but when you're throwing 98 99 i can only imagine how hard it is just to put it down the middle yeah like, go ahead. Uh, this is like obviously taylor has a much different perspective than i do because he actually is catching those pitches but i think of a guy that i'm sure taylor is very familiar with and, and dylan maples he was I, uh, if you're not a Cubs fan, you probably don't know who he is. But he was a guy. Um, he has probably the greatest slider I've ever seen. And well, he throws. It, he throws. It, that gas. is. That is. That is. By the way, that is uh, measurable. It is. But continue. Yeah. He, he probably, and I think the stats would probably back it up that when he can get his slider over the zone, he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. The problem is he cannot really control it, and it's. it's he's a kind of a frustrating pitcher to to watch if you're a, if you're a Cubs fan. Because you put him in, and you're like, damn, just throw the slider at him. Throw it at his shoulder, they'll back out of the way, and they'll go, it'll be right over the middle. They'll, they'll never hit it. But, like, obviously you can't do that. And same with fastballs, obviously, probably to a lesser extent. And I'm sure, Taylor, you know that some pitchers are much are, – are very different than, like, a Dylan Maples, per se. But, yeah, I, I sort of – No, that's that, – that's, honestly, dude, that's a, that's a great example. So, Dylan Maples, yeah, for the baseball fans that don't know, and the story, man, the story's really cool, like – was going to go – he was on campus at North Carolina to kick. He was going to kick. Or oh, really? He was gonna be the, yeah, he was going to be the punter. I didn't know and that. He was gonna, and he was going to pitch. Um, and, his, and he was like he, – he will forever be um, – you guys probably don't even – yeah, where's, where's my at MLB random stats? Here you go. Highest paid player ever after the 10th round and most likely will forever be. Yeah. Um, he got like $2.5 in in like the 14th round maybe yeah, uh, he was but, picked in the 14th round yeah there you go so two and a half million in the 14th round and he uh because of the commitment to north carolina he fell he fell really far and then because of that commitment the cubs also paid him uh, yeah two and a half million in the 14th round yes there you go <laughs> so he was a starter um didn't really didn't really pan out and and struggled and then put him in the pen and and even the beginning of the pin wasn't, wasn't the best. And then he figured out the slider, right? Like, and if you've ever seen Dylan Maples, dude, I mean, he makes guys, legs he makes guys might as well be he makes major leaguers flinch. If dude, he throws and, and, it right. But, right. And so, so the, the slider 
Um, like I've caught him, I've caught sliders that he's thrown at 3,500 RPMs. Um, I mean, he's throwing his curveball. He's throwing his slider at 3,500, his curveball at 3,300, and he's throwing an, a 3,000 RPM fastball at 98. So, and I've had this, I've had this argument. Like I will, I will make the argument. My baseball fans on here are gonna kill me, but <laughs> I've made the argument that his three pitch mix is the best three pitch mix that the game has ever seen. And I don't say that as a sense of he's the best pitcher by any means. I mean right. pure stuff. No. <laughs> Those three pitches, I believe, are the best. Like that combo. Um, if he had but, average control, average command, he would be oh. the best relief pitcher in baseball. Yeah, I mean, like his strikeout numbers, you know, in he general, struck, he, struck are, out, he strikes yeah, up two he, an inning. Yeah, he struck out a third of the guys he faced last year, but he walked nearly a fifth. Like, that's right. Like, over half the guys he's facing are striking out or walking. You just got to make sure that those are them, that they're striking out and not walking. Exactly. No, I, I, I agree. The, the walks are difficult. Um, you know, the other thing, though, is like, dude, these scattering reports now are, are crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think that it's hard It's hard to explain, but I think that actually adds and subtracts from the walks because I think certain guys, it leaves big holes. And you go, okay, like this guy, I've actually got a, a hole here where I can throw him a fastball down and away the entire at-bat. And so for the average fan, you may look and, and your superstar may be getting out for an entire series because one team has figured out this hole when nobody else could. Everybody else was too scared to throw the ball in. Um, but dude, it, yeah, I mean, just like the scouting reports now are, are absolutely insane. Like it's, it yeah. really is crazy. And, and to bring up, to bring up another, another Cubs player that while we're on the top, the topic of walks and strikeouts, <laughs> is, is a guy that a lot of people talk about more than Dylan Mabel's is Javier Baez. You Darvish? And I think, oh, I'm talking, I'm talking hitting now because he is okay. known for his, he's very yeah. aggressive at the plate. He doesn't walk a lot. He strikes out a lot, but he still makes it work at the plate. But one thing I would say with him is that his, when he gets cold, his, his cold streaks are very hard to like to watch. And obviously I'm sure it's, it's hard for the team because you have to put him out there because he's going to figure out eventually, but when you don't, and he walk, can feel your cold, your cold streaks are so much worse when you're, when you don't walk at all. Like a guy like Bryce Harper, his cold streaks, he's still walking at least a tenth of the time, probably more than that. But Javier Baez is going to go over 30 and walk like once or twice, nothing against Baez because when he's on, he's one of the best hitters in baseball, but it's the same thing. Like when, when you don't walk your, your cold streaks are going to be a lot less bearable for right. the team. Right. Uh, so after this freaking episode, they're gonna think this is a Cubs podcast. But I'll bring yeah, up. I told my. I told my I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna bring up one more Cubs player, and then we got to get off the Cubs. Okay. Yeah. So well, I, I figured when, you, you're pretty familiar with the Cubs. So. Yeah. So when when we drafted uh, Chris Bryant, and I I talked like after a year and a half after like that crazy run, right? Like. Uh, college player of the year, minor league player of the year, rookie of the year, you know, like that whole thing. So, like, after um, he won minor league player of the year, I asked our hitting coordinator, I go, why, what makes him so good? Like, obviously, he hits homers, we get it, but, like, what makes him so good? And he said, and, and to this day, this has stuck out to me, and I watch it when I watch any player, but he said, Chris stays away from 0 for 4s better than any player he's ever seen. And what he mean what he said is what I mean by that is he'll go 0 for 3 and he'll scratch out a walk or he'll yep. go 0 for 3 and he'll hit a sack fly. Whatever it may be, he stays away from the 0 for 4s 
And he finds a way to do something positive for his line that day, pretty much. Yeah, and I'll bring up another guy that is not on the Cubs, but Good. Uh, he, similar to Baez is like a, like a Tim Anderson kind of guy. If you look at his 20, 2018 and 2019 yeah. seasons, he doesn't walk a lot. In his 2018 season, he wasn't he was not very good at the plate. In his 2019 season, he led the major league in batting average for whatever stock he put in that. He slugged over 500. He had a power outbreak. He only played like 120 games, and he walked 15 times. So I think that kind of shows like the the variance, like the Babbitt block getting back to that is like you can have a guy like he did he did change his approach at the plate a little bit, but how his batting average jumped a hundred points, and you can see that with guys that put the ball in play a lot. It's a lot of variance. Yeah. Okay. All right. A lot of Cubs. Tim Anderson. What about you know moving on? Just getting off the Cubs a little bit. Tim All NLB team. White Sox. <laughs> Yes, so you know, obviously, we got to get get away from our Chicago biases here. Sorry, um, no, it's it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. You know, we're just we're just we're just chilling. Um, Would you like to talk about Washington Nationals, Devin? Since you're from Washington I mean, D.C. ish. I mean, yeah, I'm from Washington D.C. ish. There's not much to say. I was they actually today they um, avoided arbitration with Wilmer Defoe, and yeah. I was looking, I was looking at um, their depth chart. Um, and, and the Nationals, I guess no one really, you know, everyone's talking about Strasburg and Rendon, Strasburg and Rendon, and, and very rightfully so. But if the season started today, the Nationals' starting first baseman would be Jake Knoll, their starting second baseman would be Wilmer Defoe, and their starting third baseman would be Carter Keeboom. Because Brian Dozier, Howie Kendrick, Estrubo Cabrera, all free agents. Ryan Zerman, also a free agent. Matt Adams, also a free agent. So you're losing – both your first baseman, you're going to be potentially losing your middle infield. And I'm sure they'll be re-signing some of these guys. But I was just looking at their team page. I'm like, geez, this infield is going to be – is, yeah, is way it. worse right now. I tweeted out right after they won the World Series. Like, the next day, I, I probably should have waited a little longer because the Nationals fans got to enjoy it. But I, they, are they really – like, right now, are they really better than a fourth-place team in the NL East? And, like, no. they won the World Series. So, like, does it even matter? But, like, they're going to have a – unless they bring back Rendon and Strasburg and some, some role players, they could have a bigger collapse after the World Series year than the Red Sox did. So, I don't think I, – I do – here's what uh, – my prediction or my thought was that uh, they do get Rendon back because I think he's content there. I think they'll spend the money to keep him. I think it makes sense. I don't think Strasburg goes back. Um, but I definitely agree with you. I mean, there's going to be some holes, but look, man, there were holes on that team this year. They have, right. they had the worst bullpen I've ever seen. I'm kidding. They, the, <laughs> they also have the, the best 20 year old anybody's ever seen. Outside right. Of yeah. Mike Trout. Well, well, um, well wait till we know, turn 20. Dude, I, I'm in, I'm in on, like, yeah, uh, I'm in on Juan Soto, um, in, in general. Um, I oh, think he's, yes. I think, I mean, like, I think that's, that's real. Like, but anyway, um, yeah. And I think Rendon, Rendon showed you how good he could be. Um, I think I think Keyboom hasn't got a has hasn't got a true chance. I, I'm I'm interested to see when he gets a real chance, kind of what happens because I think he's a good player. He's a good kid. Um, Fangraphs gave him a 60 future value. So yeah, I I, I mean I I don't that's that's jeez. <laughs> uh, I mean I don't know I don't know. So who? So I mean, that's me pretty a, good. That's probably like a, you know above average major league regular. Me I mean, yeah, like give me a comp. Give me another sixty. Um, hold on, I can pull up the list. What all I was gonna say is I actually um, thought that Strasburg's more likely to resign. Really? 
Yeah. So where does so where does Rendon go? I think Rendon's going to Texas. Okay. But, um, see, I, they've I been like, interested in the third baseman and and Duhar. I heard yeah, I know, but I like today. the fit. I like the fit of Donaldson there. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I the point is that they do need a third baseman, and that they they'll probably be in on all of them. I, it just yeah, the question but, is, who are they going to get? But, I'm sure but, they wouldn't. They need a third baseman that? now. They don't need a third baseman for eight years. So yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't. I'm sure they wouldn't uh, not take Rendon. Like, yeah, we don't really care about like. But, I mean, I'm so sure like they, so like here are other guys that Fangraphs gave sixty future values to. Um, Bo Bichette, Aloy Jimenez, Nixon Zell. Taylor yeah, Trammell. 60, so, the, so they like Carter Kibu. Rookie of the year yeah. value. Rookie of the year value right there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's – Potential yeah, rookie and, of the year. Yeah, so, I mean – Outside right. chance, guys. Yeah. Victor Robles got a 65. So – Well, I mean, just, like, I think he's going to be talented. And, you know, if you can – but I agree with you guys. They need to – and I think Ryan Zimmerman's a shoe-in. Like, he's going back. Um, I thought he was just going to retire. I, I, that's what I thought. He's doing but, one of the – he's doing I, one of the other. I, yes, I agree. Yeah. I was just about to say he's either going to retire or go back. Um, but I think you're right. Home they, either way, right? <laughs> they they need to add a bat, one or the other, to to be with Soto. But if you can add another bat, okay. Look, so if you don't sign Rendon, if they re-sign Strasburg and add a bat, I think they're in a very similar spot to where they were this year. You know, one thing that I, I've seen, you know, the local. You know, sports media is always interesting with the sports talk radio. Some people have floated the idea that the Nationals just let Rendon go, don't spend on a bat, and sign Strasburg and Cole, and just go with Cole, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin and see how that goes. That would be awesome. Mm, Pitching win championships, man. (laughs) Or you either do that or, which I could also see – the only reason I couldn't see this is because the ownership, but, I mean, they could pull a – they could pull a – uh, what was it, 2003 Marlins and just sell. Just not sign Strasburg, not sign Rendon, try to move Corbin. You're not going to be able to move. But, but, but then you're wasting it, Soto's years then. Trade Soto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why? Try to, on the block. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. They, they're not going to do more that. Valuable than so- I mean, what, what would you even ask back for? Like, it, theoretically, he was on the trade block. I mean, he is like as old or older or I mean, younger than, than most of the, the prospects. prospects. They get back for him. Trade, no, trade. Tra- like trading so major league veteran too it's like yeah like, but see okay so that? look you wouldn't here's the thing you wouldn't have to trade soto because like you said he's only 20 so but, but, but his his six-year clock is still ticking i mean you, you don't know what you'd it's going to look like in terms of yeah. you'd have you'd to. to you'd have to sell him on it like say like hey we'll we'll give you a 15 year 400 million dollar deal like obviously probably underselling him per per like per per year but it is 400 million dollars you'd be like hey like we're going to trade everyone right now. You stay on the team, and in five years, we're going to be even better than we were last year. I'll I tell you the other thing. That, though, is that, oh, my gosh. I'll tell you what helps that, what helps his cause is is Bryce Harper not staying in, in, in oh, sure. Washington. And just, like, just the optics of it. Like, it didn't look good. So now when they go to him, they're going to say, look at, look at what Bryce Harper did. Like, you know, you are more loved than any player that's been here. Yeah. You know, like – Right. You need and to stay kind of The thing. funny thing is, Soto is probably – I don't think there's any player more similar to Soto than Bryce Harper. I, I think Soto's probably a little bit better with the bat. But they have very similar playing styles, like in terms <laughs> of like defensive ability, how they hit it, like what they do with the plate. They're very similar players. They really essentially replace Harper with himself 
at a younger age. And obviously they had them both for a year together or two years together, whatever. It was right, one year. Right. One, one year, but, yeah. One year. But essentially, he, he is essentially the same player as Bryce Harper. I, I'd say he's probably Sli- a little bit sli- better. Slightly better with the bat. Maybe slightly and, worse. And he's defense, younger. But that'll so improve. And he's younger, so his potential is – we don't even right. know what his potential is. Right. But, but he's, he's a very similar playing style to him. Now, yeah, I mean, about, I see that. When we talked, when you guys were talking earlier about walking, I do think that the ability to walk is definitely a sign of a good hitter, and I be, that's why I do think that Soto, it, what he's doing is gonna continue is because well, of his uh, his plate discipline. His well, yeah, it, pitchers are pitchers are afraid. Well, it's a combination of both the things we talked about. Pitchers are gonna nibble because he will hit at 450 feet. I mean, he as did everyone else. He homered 34 times this year. Um, and, uh, you know, you like, you'd rather have him walk sometimes. <laughs> right. So uh, while we're on the, while we're on the trade block talk, does Lindor get traded? Jeremy? I don't, I don't know. I, I think that they've, they've shown their willingness for like at least a couple of years that they, that they're interested in trading him, but not, they haven't really been close at all. Like uh, you, they haven't really gotten to the point where like a deal was even close to being imminent. I, I, I mean, really I have, it's a really interesting case because if they if they trade him, are they really serious about contending next year in a division no. that already has the tiger, the Tigers and the Royals, who are pretty much we know aren't going to be good. The White Sox, the White Sox are going to be trying team, unless they unless they unless they get another player. They're essentially giving the division to the Twins unless the White Sox sign some more guys for next year. Right. Yeah. Unless I mean, the White Sox sign a front of the rotation arm. I mean, right. I mean, it's it's interesting because like. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not to not to say that Lindor's value is low, but comparatively, you, we'd rather have the Lindor coming off his 2018 season than his 2019 season for numerous reasons. One, 2018 Francisco Lindor, you still have another year of control. You have 2019 and 2020, and then 2018 Francisco Lindor was a 130 weighted runs created plus player with the same glove, and and this year he was 114. So I mean, yeah, his value is still going to be very high, but both those things combined, I, I don't know that they shouldn't have just – if they were planning on punting this whole time, which I'm of the view the Indians should try and spend money. They should try and keep them. They should sign, but that's not what the Indians like to do. So I, I think they will ultimately pull the trigger, even though they probably should have last offseason. Yeah, don't, you, don't you get 2021 with him too? Uh, I see that he's a free agent at the end of 2020. Oh, Is that see, true? I, Let me see. No, I, I don't think, think he's so. got one more I, year after that. Yeah, because because uh, like, on baseball, oh, 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 I think you're right. I think Fangraphs has him at 2021 as free agent, but Baseball Reference has him at 2022. I think so. You might 2021. I think you're, so. You I get think two years. You still get two years off of him. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, then take that back. Thank you. The only guy that um, I think has like you know the big name, the the biggest name thrown around is is Mookie. Um, is the only like well, Mookie and Giles are the two Reynolds getting thrown around. Um, well, not which, really Reynolds at this point because you could still throw the QO at them, which is irrelevant. But You're I mean, it does get you a pick back. Yeah, they don't, what, they don't care about the pick. third best. Your third, but I, I but I mean, I think that well, I mean, the reason why I say that is because I think that's why. Because, like, that's why Cleveland, I think, and Boston are more willing to trade these guys now as opposed to midseason, especially in the case of Mookie, because if Mookie's going to be a free agent at the end of next year, if you trade him now, you're essentially saying to the other team, well, you're also going to get a pickback for him that's, like, going to be maybe a, you know, 10th to 15th level prospect 
on your future list if it's a sandwich pick. And I think that does add some value. No, it, my, it that's my personal opinion. No, it absolutely adds value. I just think what you're going to have to give up to get that player, that pick is irrelevant in my mind. Another thing, another thing with Lindor is that a lot of people seem to think that like shortstop is a weak position, and it definitely was like five, six years ago. But shortstop is so talented now. Like, right. shortstop right. is not a need of that many teams that are are really good right now. Obviously, there are a few teams that could use a shortstop, but most teams that are already set to contend have a quality shortstop. Right. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's not. It's not quite Garcia, Parra, Jeter, and Arod, but it is. It is talented again. I mean, you got Tatis, Baez, and and. Uh... And Lindor probably leading the group, right? I mean, and you got Semyon, third in AI. Semyon, Bogarts. Semyon, uh, college summer ball teammate, Marcus Simeon. Oh, really? Yeah, I played with him in the Northwoods League in 2010. Did you ever he think he'd hit 30 home runs in the big leagues? So what I said is that <laughs> if you would have told me Marcus Simeon would be a big leaguer, I never would have said one time you were wrong. If you would have told me that Marcus Simeon is what he is, I I don't I don't think I would have told you you're wrong, but I just like it it wasn't I I think he hit good that summer, you know, like he hit 300 with a couple homers, but it wasn't this. It wasn't What if I told what if I told you he'd be one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball? Right. I mean, it's crazy he, the strides he's made since even just a few years ago. I fifth I, best I, player by war. The, I I will tell you the the reason that doesn't surprise me is how good of an athlete he is, and I always believe in athletes. Um, you know, I, I'm, I guess that's kind of like, I, it's kind of like a, I never played football, but like, it's like my football mindset, like these coaches that go sign players just because they're good athletes. Like, I agree with that. Like, I think that that happened. I think it happens in baseball. Like you saw Javi Baez, like go look at the strides that Javi Baez made from his yeah. rookie year to this year defensively. And another, another shortstop I don't want to leave out because I just remembered Trevor story. People will yell at me if, if we don't bring him up. He's another great shortstop in baseball right now that often gets overlooked because he plays in Colorado, but he's a fantastic player as well. So Nolan Arenado has, has, has been one of my, like, I, I am a, I am a big Arenado guy and I've always despised, always despised, especially now with Larry Walker, possibly not getting into the hall of fame, but I've always despised the, Oh, well he plays in, in Colorado. And you know, that's the, that was the whole argument with Arenado. Like, don't you know Arenado's not that good he he plays in Colorado and I'm like in in my head I thought he was gonna stay in Colorado but in my head I was like well you know that that argument doesn't really apply if he is gonna play half his games in Colorado his whole career like he's still gonna put up those numbers Uh, right you know but like the same thing with Larry Walker like you go look at Larry Walker's career numbers like Larry Walker's career numbers outside of Colorado were better than they were in Colorado or were better than right. they were better, but they were better than hall of famers numbers yes. outside of Colorado. And I think that's, that, yes. I think that's the main difference between a guy like Walker and a guy like Arenado. I think Arenado is more like a guy like Todd Heldon who did play his entire career with the Rockies. Cause Walker, I think played less than, or like right around 30% of his games in Colorado. Whereas Arenado and Helen both played fifty percent. Obviously, not a knock on them. They're not. They can't control. Right. Besides the fact right. that like he signed with the Rockies, he can't control where. And he's a fantastic player. He's a great hitter. He's still thirty percent above average at worst. If you believe that the park effects on Colorado are, are as strict as many believe them to be, and he's probably a little bit better than that too. If you believe in the hangover effect, he's one of the best with the glove that's ever played at third base. It doesn't matter. He, he's consistent. Consistently one of the best players in baseball. He's not. He's not the best, but he is an elite player. So for you two, uh, my, if you got to take, go ahead. 
I was just going to say two things. One, on Larry Walker, uh, 30% of his games were played, of course, okay. for his career. And then secondly, I, I still, you know, Taylor, you know, you being a big Arenado guy, Arenado's a great player, but I think people who call him the third best third baseman in baseball, it's, that's just not the case. So who is? He's just, he just is very consistent. Bregman or Rendon? Which one? Or, or Matt Chapman. Those, those three are all better. Uh, well, not right, right I'm now. I'm a huge Chapman. Right you now, know how I feel about Matt Chapman. And if Matt Chapman was Matt like Chapman, Colorado, but including and... after this year. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting because there are so many great third basemen. And, like, you really can't be wrong with, with where you put any of these guys. The ballpark is a huge thing because Matt Chapman is my favorite player. He's in Oakland, for those that don't know. And Oakland is probably arguably the, the biggest pitcher's park in baseball. And Arenado's in one of the biggest hitters' parks. So it's really hard to compare their numbers. Even looking outside of their home ballparks doesn't really do either of them justice. It's just really, like, kind of a guessing game as to, like, what is their true hitting value? But I don't think you go wrong with Arenado being the second-best third baseman or, like, the sixth-best third baseman. A lot of people right. have argued Chris Bryant, a healthy Chris Bryant's better than Arenado. I don't disagree with them. But Arenado has consistently played 150 games. Five years in a row, he's always been there. The fact that he's in the third baseman debate every single year says a lot about him, whereas the other guys that he's competing with maybe. I mean, I think if you, if you look at – okay, so I pulled it up. The third base war over the last five years, so from 2015 to 2019, who do you guys think number one? Donald Chris Bryant. It's Chris Bryant. Number two? Uh, Donaldson. Donaldson, <laughs> yes. And then three? Arenado. Yes. And so I mean, I, I mean, look, I think that's reasonable. I, just, I, 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 like, look here. My thing with my thing with him is like, at the end of every year, and and once again, I don't know enough about park effects and things like that, which is why it's so cool to be talking with you guys that do know that kind of stuff. But like, all I know is that at the end of every year, that dude hits three hundred with thirty, one hundred and twenty, and he's the best defensive third baseman in baseball. Oh, which yeah, hold on, Jeremy. Jeremy, except Jeremy, for, Jeremy. Matt Chapman, hold on, hold on. Him and Matt I'll give Chapman, you Matt Chapman. the two best defensive third basemen in baseball, is all I would right. like he, you to he say. He was until Matt Chapman. I, I know that what Matt Chapman is doing defensively is a the freak. same high school team? That's just yeah. remarkable. That's a joke. Oh, man. And well, Matt Chapman is unreal. Unreal on defense. So that, here, here was, what, here was what I was going to ask you two, was would you rather take, if you had an option to take one player off of the Colorado team, are you going to take Trevor Story or Noel Arenado? Take the take the um, take the contracts out of it, and age out of it. What do you mean? Sure. Let's just say let's say that you're putting them both at at. It's tough to take age out, but yeah, like let's say that they're both instead of Arenado being three years older than Trevor Story. Let's say they're both the same age, but or take take Arenado at Story's age and at their point in the big league career, and well, I guess no, because no, yeah, it would be pretty close, right? I, Story made it a little earlier, but. I don't know. I think I think Arenado for track record, right? I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I've always felt like he was he was. I feel like he gets under like he gets looked over on that team by Trevor Story. I feel like people are. I don't know. I've always I just felt like that. I I, like I, was, I think Trevor Story is kind of the thing with him is like because he hit like all those home runs to start his career, he grabbed a lot of headlines. Whereas Arenado's just kind of been there forever. He's been the mainstay. You know, you kind of lose. Some he's, of the he's, the, he's the face of the, he's the face of the Rockies. You think of the Rockies, you think of Arenado, and I think Arenado is one of the most popular players in baseball too. Even though he plays in Denver, I think most of the 
the little kids who like are just getting into baseball, they know Nolan Arenado. He's not Darius. Yeah, Darryl. why is that? Why? I, it's, it's, it's bizarre. He's flashy, and he's good. Like you said, he drives in 130 guys every year. He hits 300. He's a great defender. He's really fun to watch. And that's probably why. But, like, but kind of in some ways, though, like in some ways, like Taylor's kind of right. Like the Rockies kind of have two Arenados. Yeah, like they, they one in short and one in third. Yeah. I know. No, they're, they're, I mean, that, that side no of the wants, infield. The problem, it's so hard. I, I cannot imagine working for the Rockies front office because it must be so hard to try and convince any decent pitcher to come to Colorado. And that's why they have so much trouble. And obviously, the rest of their team hitting-wise is not good at all. Like, they have a couple guys, like, Blackman is fine. But, like, I saw that. They're, they, have, they have three good hitters, and the rest of their, well, the rest of their lineup is not good. Because one they of think my, they're good. I'm what trying to think. Uh, one of my favorite articles this season, I think, came from Dan Zimborski, um about, like, teams. Like, here it is. The wins above replacement after a team's top two pitchers and hitters. And, like, the Rockies – uh, we're like twenty first in the league. Hold on, do you, and, do you have? Or, hold on, do you, do you have that list in front of you? I have, I have, um, I have twenty nineteen list, twenty eighteen list, twenty seventeen list, and the average. So yes, it, let's go twenty nineteen. This was right. written in. This was written on the last day of July. So these numbers are for like half a season. And this is the you take top two hitters and top two pitchers away. Top two hitters. Um, Yes, I think it's just, you take you take those four players away. Oof, is Houston number one? Well, at, as of as of July thirty first, it was the Twins. Oh, that gosh. makes sense. They're a, well, they're a very surprising. they were very they balanced. Really they were very yeah, balanced, had, but they have they eighteen have guys at thirty home runs. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the Yankees and the Astros have to be in the top five. Yeah, Yankees were fifth. Astros were third. Again, I'm going to just like reiterate: this was on July thirty first. We right, can, right. I can the relook Astros at this. Yeah, and the Astros were like the hottest team in baseball for the last couple of months, so I think it's fair to assume that they probably finished number one. But yeah, the, this season the Rockies were twenty sixth. Uh, on that, as of July, really bad. on July thirty first, they only had two and a half wins from guys who weren't their top hitter or top two pitchers or top two hitters. And then in turn, and then he also summed Zizimborski also summed um, for twenty seventeen through the first half of twenty nineteen. Um, Every all the like sub replacement value that they've received. So like he added up all the negative contributions of guys who are in the major leagues. The mm-hmm. Rockies have the second highest of negative seventeen point three WAR when you add up all their negative contributors over those two and a half years. You know and that that, I, that makes sense. that doesn't surprise me because they had some they had like a couple of those those kind of pretty big prospects come up for them and struggle early. So that kind of makes sense to me. And I think with the Rockies. It's really tough because they, uh, outside of story, are not on Blackman. Their hitting is really bad, but you won't see that if you look at like their their numbers. They they led the league, they led the National League in hits. They finished fourth and second in slugging percentage. On the surface, they were one of the better hitting teams. But then again, they put in Colorado. How good is Ian Desmond at hitting? How good is Ryan McMahon or Tony Walters or whatever? Ian Desmond actually had a kind of a rebound, but he was still bad. But he kind of had a rebound a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's the problem, and I think a lot of people focus on like the pitching aspect. Their pitching was fine. Their pitching was really good in 2018 with Freeland and Marquez having terrific years, but their hitting also needs a lot of work. They need to build around the faces of the franchise so they actually have average guys out there. If they had right. Arenado, Story, Blackman, and then five average guys, they probably finished with ten more wins than they did last year. 
I think a lot of people right. assume yeah. that the rest of the guys are average when in reality they're probably hurting the team by being out there. Yeah. So, and David so, Dow so, solid. He's the only he's like the only guy that like got some playing time, but he was hurt. But David Dow was a, another good player there that they had. Yeah. So I think to wrap this up a little bit, I mean we're approaching the hour mark, um, which wow. This was just, just a great conversation overall. But I just want to make it known that Taylor is a free agent this offseason. And one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is um, we're, baseball's expanding to 26-man rosters next year. Do you think that's going to help you latch on with a team and stay, stay in the majors for, for longer periods of time? Because I would think so. But obviously, I, you're, you know, you're the no, guy. I, I would, you know, I would hope so. Um, but, you know, it really all just depends on the team. Like, you know, I, I think that had th- have we have had this conversation five years ago, I think just about without a question um, of the 30 teams, I would bet you 20 of them at least would carry a third catcher. Right. I just think the game's different now, and I don't know that that's the case. Um, I do think there are going to be some teams that will do it for sure. Like, um, you know, a, like a team that goes with a offensive like let's just for example, let's just let's call a spade a spade. Gary Sanchez in New York, they're going to carry three catchers in New York because Gary Sanchez will start behind the plate. At some point, you'll want to bring in somebody else to play defensively for him, but you need a third option to where if the game goes into extra innings, you want somebody that's maybe a little more in the middle of that. Um, yeah. So like. You know, teams that, that want to and, – and you could take that the other way as well. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows how good Austin Hedges is behind the plate. Right. Um, but you could you could say the same thing there just the other way. Hey, Austin Hedges is going to play every day because I don't care if he gets a hit. He's going to be worth war at the end of the year because of what he does behind the plate. But there are going to be games and situations where um, – so, you know, the win probability added would make more sense for you to hit Wilson Ramos in the eighth inning and take him out of the game. Well, we're even Francisco Wilson, Mejia there. Exactly. Who I think is going to really flower. I think he's going to be good. Um, but he's he is clearly not what Hedges is behind the plate. So right. you let Mejia go in and you have that third option still. Um, so I do think that, that that'll change things. But like I said, you know, there's just so much more into – you know, and honestly, one of the things that I heard that was good was like people were talking about how when Theo took the job, he was – I don't think he was the first Ivy League, but he was close to it, right? Like there weren't very many Ivy League GMs when he took the job initially. And now, I mean, shoot, how many are not Ivy League GMs? Right. So I think that that has really changed the – um like the mindset of team management and, and putting teams together. Like these guys, um, it's much more of a puzzle and much less of the old baseball minds putting 26 guys on our team. Right, right. But is that something that you're – I'd imagine this will be something that you and your agent will talk about as like which of these teams can we really market you as that third middle-of-the-road guy to? For sure, absolutely. I mean, I've you know – I'm going to try to go with, you know, wherever my best opportunity is to play in the big leagues. You know, like that's obviously that's, that's the goal here is, is to go find a team that um, wants to use me in the big leagues. And I think I have some, um, you know, like I think my defensive stuff, I I had a bad year offensively this year, um, but you know, defensively it was still okay. And, and 
my receiving numbers in the minor leagues have been good the past, I don't know, five years or so. And it, which one day we do need to, I, I would like to get into the catching, the catching uh, metrics too, because I think there's some stuff to talk about there, but yeah, um, for sure. I, I think that, you know, my receiving numbers are good. So I think that if you, if I was able to catch um, any significant amount of time in the big leagues, um, I would make a difference, you know, for, for a team. And um, you know, I think it's just, it, Hey, let me just say this. All right. I'll just say this. There was a certain pitcher on the Cubs that I caught like four starts or five starts in a row last year. After I caught him those five starts, the dude walked like one guy the rest of the year. Okay. Oh, so, we know who that is. <laughs> no, I'm not going to so, take the credit. I'm not going to take the credit for that. That dude <laughs> is an absolute freak. Like that stuff is incredible, but I love him. But, uh, but no, I, I do think I can make a difference. And, uh, you know, so I'm just hoping for that chance. And to, to add on, do you think that uh, you've played some, some first base and some third base in addition to catching? Is that something you're going to you're gonna bring up as well? Do you feel comfortable playing oh, third yeah. base if, if a team needs you to, first base if a team needs you to? My first start, my first start in the major leagues was at Bush Stadium at third base in September. Huh. Like, you talk about nerves, man. Yeah, seriously, I mean, <laughs> that's tough. And, and, like, okay, so we had Talk about Joe Madden. So we, we had clinched uh, the day before. I remember, I remember that. I, I have a very vivid memory of that lineup that we had uh, that day. Yeah, every, every, that most people do. I, so the hangover what, lineup. Right. So they, but the Cardinals were still in playoff contention. So they were still going. And that was – so my first – see, I started the game 0 for 4. It's my only hat trick in professional baseball. I struck yeah. out three times. Uh, Lance Lynn was the starter. Struck me out twice, and I don't even remember who the other guy was that struck me out. Oh, uh, no. Oh, I do remember that my fourth at bat. I was just like, okay, I'm not striking out again. I don't know. What's it looks like happen. Ryan Sheriff. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that dude's nasty too. Uh, but then, so like, so I went from like the lowest low, you know, like first start of my major league career. I strike out three times for the first time in my professional career. And uh, then I ended the game with – until the Grand Slam. Well, still, even with the Grand Slam, probably the coolest thing I've ever done. I had the game-winning hit in the 10th inning. So it was a, it was a freaking roller coaster. Do you think you're going you're gonna to say that you can pitch also? Because you did get to pitch a game last year. Tell us hey, about that. Not, hey, look, man. Not everybody can say they have a zero in the show. Okay? Uh, <laughs> Your whip nah. was like three, though. That's going to yeah, yeah. come tough, back at you. The regression's yeah, going to hit. Because I had to face your boy, Matt Chapman. Um, the regression's going <laughs> to hit. And Matt Chapman was in, like, the worst slump of his Because I, I went to all three of the games that series because the A's are my second favorite team after the Cubs. And Matt Chapman was, like, two for his last 50. And I'm like, he's, he's going to break out of it. And I'm pretty sure – I think they actually pinch hit for Chapman before he got to face you, right? Yeah, and I, I could be wrong on that. I, I was, I, yeah, I was so mad we played, because like, oh, they're not going to let him face Taylor Davis. Yeah. Like, this is how you break out of the slump. <laughs> I would oh. tell you, the, one of the wow, wow, he did give him three hits that inning. I figured he had a decent. Yeah, how many runs? Okay, that's all that's that matters. True. That's true. That's Three twenty-one flip. That's pretty. Solid. I will say. I will say that uh, at at yeah, freaking <laughs> Matt Olson. Okay, Matt Olson hitting a freaking <laughs> swinging bunt. What are we doing, Matt? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a grown man hit the ball. It didn't even get to me. Uh, I can't say much though, because my first major league hit was that, so it's okay. Um, 
But uh, but no, honestly, like I walked off the field to a standing ovation, and I mean, had we not been, had we not lost the game by a billion, there was a it really was cool. a bad game. Yeah, so, was... so after 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 pitcher catcher first base third base, if you got to pick one more position that like you had to you short. had to play an entire game, you play short. I where do you think to. where do you think you'd be the most useful at? Would it also I'm be, be I'm gonna be this is this is me this is me like I don't want to say <laughs> loving myself. This is me liking myself. But if you ask guys, like, we'll get some guys on here that I've played with before. Like, I'll get some teammates. Um, I truly, this is not an exaggeration. I truly believe I could play seven positions on the field comfortably. I outside think the what? only center field outside and what? <laughs> center field and pitcher. I don't think I, hey, I, mean, you, I couldn't pitch. You played pitcher I, pretty comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm could you pull, like, could you pull like a, was it Nate Orff that played every position in one game? The dude oh, on the uh, Romine did it too, right? He did it recently. Yeah, Nate Orff did it like in the minor leagues, but I think Romine talked did it a about years ago, right? We they there was a coach that wanted me to do it two years ago in spring oh, training. That would be so awesome. Do um, it this but, year, <laughs> dude. I, I just want to get back to the big leagues. I don't care about you. Sell some tickets. <laughs> but but no, it's good. All right, so how are we going to awesome. end it? What what are we gonna what poll are we gonna end it with today? You're oh, yeah, we, up to you. It's, what question do you want answered by the fans of our podcast for me in the conversation? There's no fans yet. When we we're gonna, I'm sure, we're gonna, I'm, sure I'm sure our parents will be will be big fans of this, Devin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my parents are gonna like have like a hundred views. Uh, so I had a show. I this is definitely going on mom's Facebook. In Iowa a couple years ago, and uh, it, it was called Michael and the Mayor, and I ended up having like three Michaels because. One guy got released, one guy got hurt, and I don't even remember what happened to the third guy. But uh, <laughs> every episode, we ended the episode asking American Express to sponsor us. So um, <laughs> I do want to throw that in there because I really would love an American Express sponsorship. Um, that'd be really cool for all of us. Um, I don't know. I mean – Yeah, if you're interested, you if you're interested in sponsoring, hit, hit yeah. us up. <laughs> Shoot, yeah. We'll, we'll, hey, I'll pitch you. Um, no – you guys are better at this stuff than I am, man. Like you guys do the Twitter stuff. Like I want a good. We That's why we want you to come up with it. We need some. We need some fresh. Some. We. We. Me and Devin have been talking about the same thing on Twitter this entire offseason. It's only December. December first. We need some. <laughs> we, we need some. Um, some fresh air here. Okay, so this is this is one. This is one that um that I've I've. This is something cool. So I, here's what we'll do. I'm gonna ask you a question, and then we're all three give an answer to it. Okay. And then we'll okay. see whose answer gets the most likes. Okay, the most. Okay, like, the most poll responses. Like, like you put the poll. Up, Mo- most votes. Like, hey, okay. Agrees with this. Okay. Well, so we better all come up with different answers. No, we would. We trust me. We will. Okay. So here's your, here's the question. The question is: You get to make one major rule change in the game of baseball. What is it? Huh. And okay. I mean, are we talking like? Rule are we talking change? like? Like like out there like wild rule change like whatever yeah, like anything okay. you, like legitimately I, 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 already have, I already have my answer Devin I'll let you think about yours for a little longer while I'm talking about mine my proposal that I I pitched in the past I think would be an awesome idea to add to the game so I'll start off by by introducing it so a lot of a lot of people do not like extra innings a lot of people want to get rid of extra innings or end the games in a tie or like stop it after ten innings the minor leagues have started with a runner on second I think that's a total wrong approach. I think that if I were the commissioner and I got to do one rule change, starting in the 10th inning and every inning until like the 14th inning, 
each team loses a defender in the field every inning. You keep the you keep the guy in the lineup, but you have to take one guy out of your defense. So in the tenth inning, you only have eight guys, and the eleventh inning, you only have seven guys, and it keeps going. It keeps going down, and so that'll increase run scoring because obviously there are fewer players. And the strategy would be awesome. Who do you, who do you take out first? Do you take out an outfielder? You, you probably take out your worst your worst outfielder, and then what do you do? You take out a second baseman and go like a shift every time. Or like, it, it, the I think you would awesome. go. I think you would take out the infielder first. You think you take the infielder first, and then you just put two guys to the, the side of whichever well, whichever way the hitter hits. So it's the left, you put a first and second yes. baseman and have one guy on the yes. left side. And then you go yes. with the corner outfielder and just keep two speedy outfielders out there. And 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 just have the and have the corner outfielder of the position that's not there just shift like just play yeah. heavy in. Right. And then, yeah. and then what do you do after that? Then you got a new really interesting. You're right. That it would, it, it would be, be really interesting, interesting for sure. That would be it interesting. Would also, that would be interesting. It would also, I think. It would also really increase the value of, of defensive-minded players first. Like you'd have a lot of guys like Billy like Hamilton. Like Vince Velasquez? Would not have issues. Yeah, Vince Velasquez too. But the guys like Billy Hamilton would never have an issue finding a job because they'd be looking at, they'd be looked at like as extra inning specialists because you can have that guy cover the entire outfield by himself if he uh, came down to it in the 13th inning. He's just shagging fly right. balls out there. I yeah, think that absolutely. would be so fun to watch. That way would. That's, that's, that's a good one. Uh, uh, I think for me, mine's probably like a little less wacky, but probably yeah. more practical. <laughs> Um, I think they need to institute a salary floor um, in, yeah. in baseball. Uh, that's the rule change I'd like to see. I think it would increase free agent spending, and I think, you know, it would get more teams involved. And I think at the end of the day, like, that's probably one of the best ways to make free agency more interesting because, you know, every offseason it's only, like, three teams that are, like, really – that do anything really interesting as far as free agency goes. And the problem that I have with all of this is, like, the rebuilding teams can sign guys to want like these middle of the road for agents to one year deals and then try and trade them for prospects at the deadline. We've seen that before. Jeremy Hellickson was a good example of that. Um, so, I mean, I think if you increase the salary floor, um, we would see some more interesting things. And then I'd love to see like a team, like offer like a player, like a one year, $40 million deal. And then like okay. a rebuilding team to sell yes, some tickets yes. maybe at the beginning of the season and then like trade them at, at the middle of the off, uh, the middle of the uh, season for prospects. Like what would, okay. what would be the harm in that? That'd make it interesting. I, so I obviously, I don't believe in the automatic strike zone, but right. I do think that there are ways that the game could, could be sped up. Um, two things that I think that could happen. One, I would like to see somehow. Oh, you got, you got two rule changes. No, it's no, it's it, you'll, under, you'll when I hear it, it's okay, the same. Okay, it's just, like, just say it, just say it, just say it. I'll, I want to is know. is uh, I would like bases on force plays to be uh, like automatic. So like, I don't want the first, I don't want an umpire at first base to have to say that he's out or safe, and then us have to go to the replay booth and then see that he was actually the other. I think that is that is useless of all of our time. I think that. It, there should be – there's no way with our technology that if one guy – if he hits the base first or the ball hits the glove first, like, he should be out or safe, and we should just know. Like, I don't know how that would happen, but, like, let's just figure it out, right? Like, the free Leave it base to the nerds green. to figure out. Yeah, the, someone can figure that out. Right? Yeah, okay, he, now, like, and, and, yeah. <laughs> and along with that, this is the bigger rule change, but along with that, I think the bases should be infinitely high. So – it is a oh, infant. So they, it, it goes to the because what's going to happen? This is my fear with the game. What's going to happen yeah, is your right. technology is going to get so good, which is already close. That that Javi Baez running full yep. speed into second base, it's going to be so hard for him to never come off. 
eventually, at some point, everybody's going to come off the base, and it's going to it's going to start to get to be a mess. I believe. So okay, so that, so you just like have a zone, like if you're above the base. Yes, and, and okay. especially when we're talking about like at the plate, like like the fact that like I have to slide over the plate and put my hand mm-hmm. down and touch the plate. No, don't that. No. Okay, that's that's like, a good rule change. Like I think it would. I think it would. I think it would help the game in a way that fans would enjoy too. Like it would speed up the game. Like it's not as it's not significant in a sense of um, like you wouldn't like watch the game and go, man, this is weird. But for a yeah. player, that's a big. Deal. It would make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Taylor, well, wait, 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 wait. Can I can I ask Taylor something? Because he brought up the automatic strikes, and I want to ask him a question about that. Real quick. Wait, wait, wait. wait so wait. I mean, that wait, we get, we're running out of time, no, guys. No, 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 no. Please, it, it goes along with the rule proposal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 We got it. We got. We got to make sure people listen to this. People That's are gonna true. listen. The long. I promise. Well, you then. Will well, then we'll just cut. Just cut it off after the rule change. Okay. <laughs> so, if the so robot umpires are for the most part not in the game, but each team had two challenges that they can use at any point in the game, only on pitches that decided the at bat. So only on ball four or strike three. And it's like it's like tennis. I don't know if you've watched tennis before, but it goes. I have. Quick I know what you mean. Has, Yes. It no, I'm out. I'm out on that. Whatever. I'm out on that. No, not I'm at out. all. No, I'm out. I, 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 I want the human element out of it on force plays. I want the human element in of in it on balls and strikes. Totally. Okay. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. All That's right. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. with that, I think it's time to to wrap this up. Um, but this was this was a great pilot episode, I would say, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Viewers out there, let us know if you want to ask questions. We'll definitely try and address them. Uh, with, as or if any of you guys know any special guests you guys want uh, us to have on the show, like let us know. We're, we can try. We we want to go. Yeah, we want to go with what you guys want to listen to. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so I think well, clearly there's a lot of things. Also, there's a lot of things that I think we touched on today that we could probably talk about more in depth in future episodes. So you know, the flow is good and. Um, and I just want to thank everyone out there for listening. And, you know, I don't know if you like subscribe or I think we're going to be on Spotify and iTunes. So like, if you can follow it on there, do that. Follow us on Twitter. Um, have a great start to your December and we will uh, see you soon. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you guys.